So we had friends and family help us with construction and the build out and sort of everybody sort of pitched in to help us open this location. And we opened our doors July 4th weekend and the line never stopped the entire day. Don't let anyone tell you you're too young to accomplish something. A baby shark is still a shark. That's the mantra that has guided Abby Taylor, co-founder of Pliables, from operating a makeshift acai bowl pop-up stand on the sidewalk in front of a pizza shop to leading a company with over a thousand employees and close to a hundred stores. Abby takes us through her incredible journey building Pliables from the ground up with her co-founder, Rob Giuliani, and how she has kept the spirit of Pliables alive as her franchise continues to expand across the country. Coming up, you'll hear Abby's grassroots approach for sharing her love of acai with the world, how making mistakes and facing challenges, such as the great acai shortage, has helped her learn and grow in her business, how Abby picks franchise partners to expand the Pliable's mission. Abby's best tips on building a strong team to support business expansion. Why you should always hire people who are smarter than you. How passion in your business will trickle down through the ranks. And Abby's philosophy on customer and employee welfare during the COVID-19 pandemic. Finally, you'll hear how Abby achieves work-life balance while overseeing 97 stores. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. you went from starting a makeshift pop-up stand on a sidewalk in front of a pizza shop to leading a company now with hundreds of employees. I think I read you have over 97 stores. Can you take me back to the early days of starting your business and how you launched? Yeah. So it's really a crazy story and it almost sounds like it's not real, but this is really what happened. Um, When I was in college, I definitely just was not someone who really was into school, you know, the whole time I just sort of was like, you know, is this a waste of time? What do I want to do? Um, but the one thing that I did know was that I was very creative and I always sort of was hustling. You know, I was painting sneakers and selling them and growing up, I was making bracelets. And my dad is always like, Oh, you're always hustling. You're always selling something. Um, and I kind of had that instilled in me in a young age. So when I was at school, I chose to do um, graphic design, which was an easy choice for me once I decided that I was going to go like an art path. Um, I always excelled in art growing up my whole life. So once I got past my gen eds, which I was really, really struggling, um, and I got to my graphic design course in college, I really started to do really well. Um, Then I ended up graduating, and I sort of was just wondering what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I was traveling to all the places that I had dreamed of traveling to surf growing up, um, California, Hawaii, Puerto Rico, Nicaragua, uh, Panama. And, you know, this was the time to really do that. So I would bartend all summer and save all my money. And then I would travel all winter. And I did that for a long time. Um, you know, and in that time period, my friends were graduating and getting jobs and buying houses. And, you know, they just knew exactly what they wanted to do. And I just knew that wasn't going to be my path. Um, I needed to get this out of my system. And also I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do, but I always kind of knew something was going to happen and that I didn't want to go work for someone and sit in a cubicle. It just sounded like 
a nightmare to me. Yeah. So <laughs> um, after a few years of this, I met my co-founder, Rob, and I had kind of been having acai bowls on all of my travels and I was obsessed. I loved, I just loved all the different versions of them and the different countries that I visited and I sort of was hooked and I came home and I was making them for my family and friends and sort of saying like, I'm going to open up an acai shop. I'm going to open up a little acai place, sort of like a side note that I never really pursued. And then um, I would speak to my uncle about it, who's a businessman and, you know, sort of just giggle and we'd talk about it a little bit, but it was always kind of like in passing. What year was this? 2011. Okay. Um, I remember like I was making bowls for my mom every morning and she's like, okay, like I don't want it anymore. Like I've had enough acai bowls. And what's in an acai bowl for those of us who don't know or have not had a pie bowl? So acai is a berry from Brazil, uh, from the rainforest. And it kind of looks like a blueberry, but it has a big seed in the middle that you can't eat. Um, so you're really only eating the skin of the berry. Um, so we blend it up super thick, almost like ice cream consistency and top it with granola and whatever fruits that you like, honey, peanut butter, it's really whatever you want. So I really was just obsessed with acai bowls, making them for all my family and friends. My mom had had enough. She's like, okay, like I don't want any more. I'm done with it. And I just loved the product so much. And at that time, like you would go to the beach and you know, you would get off for lunch and it's the Jersey Shore. You'd have pizza or like a heavy sandwich or something like that. And I just felt like there was no options for something refreshing and light. And I just feel like it was such a good fit at the Jersey Shore. And I wanted to introduce it to a place that's so important to me. So how did your business go from becoming this idea that you were so passionate about to finding your business partner, Rob, and then actually making it a reality? Yeah. So I told Rob about these ideas that I had. And um, he said, you know, why don't, why don't we just try it? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure exactly what to do or how we would do it. Um, so there's a pizza, a pizza place on Ocean Avenue in Belmar, New Jersey. And um, we kind of just asked the pizza guy if, you know, we could pay him rent to set up a little stand outside the front of his business. And, you know, he didn't really care as long as we paid him rent. So uh, we threw together this like makeshift setup that was totally illegal. I think that the town just thought it was like funny, really. <laughs> but it was um, our, our friend patio table, a little mini fridge, uh, like a Bay topping station, um, an umbrella. And really, we just put blenders out there and started blending up these bowls. We made a small menu of just acai bowls um, and a couple smoothies. We kept it really simple. And, uh, you know, it was great because we got to test the market before, you know, hopping into a lease or, you know, something really big, which I think was a great foundation for this business. It was really cool. But let me tell you, in the beginning, nobody came. Like, nobody knew what it was. Um, I think we single-handedly played a huge role in explaining to the Jersey Shore, what acai was, you know, now you kind of see it a lot more, but I think we played a big role in telling a lot of people about what it was and exposing them to their first acai bowl. So you were the marketing campaign sitting on the sidewalk on the picnic table. (laughs) I had a bathing suit top on jean shorts. I printed flyers from Staples. Uh, I went on the beach. Uh, Rob and I handed out flyers on the beach and pointed to our umbrella across the street. And I think people thought we were crazy and had no idea. Maybe they felt bad. Um, But in the beginning it was slow. And then, you know, we just saw people that, had a bowl and kept coming back because they loved it so much. And that's sort of where I saw this interest. And I was like, Ooh, maybe this is something, maybe this is something. So, so when did it go from being kind of a side hustle? Let's see if this can take off to actually turning into an actual business. What were the next steps for you? So we started that in probably like May of 2014. And, um, by midsummer, I saw, you know, it really catching on. And one night I was bartending and I didn't get home till, you know, four in the morning. And then I look, 
and I'm blending and I'm tired. I have my head down, the music's on, and I look up and there's a line down the street, like down the sidewalk. And half the people were definitely mad that this was even a thing and that this was being allowed. But I, I think at that point, it really clicked like, wow, we're onto something. Like, people really love this. We have a really good product and something special. So, what did you do next? So, we finished out that summer. Um, we really thought we were rich at that point. You know, we took all the cash and we just kept it separate and sort of just started investing it back into the business. The startup was so low because I told you of how our setup was, um, which was great. So that next summer, we were asked if we wanted to move into our first location in Belmar, which happened to be right behind where the stand was. Uh, there was an old gym that had gotten wrecked by Sandy. It was just sort of sitting oh, wow. there. Yeah. So we got the opportunity where somebody approached us, the landlord there, uh, to go into that building. Um, we didn't know how we we're going to do it. We didn't have enough money. We sort of just went in there and it was falling down and grungy and we're like very overwhelmed, but we pulled it together, put all of our money together. So we had friends and family help us with construction and the build out and sort of everybody sort of pitched in to help us open this location. And we opened our doors, um, July 4th weekend and the line never stopped the entire day. Wow. That is incredible. Did Rob have business experience too? What was his background? Um, Rob was selling medical equipment at the time. Um, so he, you know, is more so he's a salesman. He definitely knew a little bit more about business than I did. I really had no clue what I was doing. Um, I'm very creative. So I was really the creative vision behind it and, you know, these recipes and trying out all these different things. So together it really, it really worked. And clearly having a successful business partnership is something that is not easy. What has made your relationship work over the years? I think, like I said, just knowing what you're both good at and sort of staying in your lane and excelling in those two areas, you know, it sort of makes you more well-rounded as a whole. Um, and definitely having that laid out in the beginning of your business, you know, so that there's no problems down the road. Absolutely. Did you put together a business plan ever or an operating agreement or? We did, but nothing was ever, you know, set in stone. And um, we sort of just were trying everything out. We didn't know that it was going to be what it was going to be. So all those things kind of fell into place later in our journey. And what, what has it been like over the years? Because now, you know, you started with this one location and now you have scaled and you started to franchise, correct? Yeah. So franchising is crazy because in the beginning I felt like, you know, this is my baby. I have such control over it. I, I didn't want other people to be kind of a part of that. I was a little bit scared to branch out, but we were growing so quickly. And if we wanted to keep expanding like that and being the first people to market in all of these amazing New Jersey towns, we were going to have to bring in franchisees and, and partner up with them. So I think that helped us really explode at the rate that we did. How did you learn the process of um, becoming uh, a franchise? I know just from other entrepreneurs we've spoken to, like it can be a very complicated process. And especially, you know, it wasn't your background. You have to learn everything as you go. How did you figure out what the first steps were to get everything set up properly? I had no clue. I had no clue what to do. Um, I thought that, you know, you just say, okay, you're a franchisee and you just sort of work it out. But no, you have to go through lawyers and get all the paperwork ready to go and decide every little detail about that relationship um, because, you know, this is a big commitment with somebody that you're bringing in. So it just took a lot of time to get that all in place. And I would say some of our earlier franchisees, you know, we weren't even in the best position to be doing that. But at this point, we've become so efficient, I guess, in what we're doing that it's so much easier. But it just is a learning curve. And it takes a long time to get all that stuff sort of in the right place and everything all tidied up the way it should be. 
Yeah, absolutely. So any tips for that you can share about how to have a successful business partnership and then also tips on some of our listeners are thinking about franchising and how to go about those first steps and figuring out that model. Yeah. Like I said, I think having your roles and responsibilities clear in the beginning with a partner is so, so important. And like pick the things that you're good at. Don't force stuff. Don't force yourself to do things that you don't want to do or that you don't enjoy because then you're not going to do it that well. Um, So I think that's the most important part of a business partnership. Um, For franchising, I think it's, you know, in the beginning I met with every single franchisee before we brought them on and we sort of made decisions about if we wanted them in our lives. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest part of it. You know, these people are your family to an extent. I talk to them probably more than I do my family and you're entrusting them in your baby, your vision, and you want them to be a, um, you know, in direct correlation to yourself. So you need to make smart decisions about it. And also, like I said, going to a lawyer and getting all that paperwork tidied up, having everything covered, every little detail, even if you think it's really small, having it all tidied up and ready to go and feeling really confident have a lot of people take a look at the documents and help you out. You know, I didn't know anything about it. So, so essentially your franchise owners really are entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, depending on who they are, because they're running, they're running a business. We have some awesome women too, which has been so, so, so cool. I know I believe it. So for our listeners who might be thinking about wanting to start a business, but maybe your business, maybe Pliables is the business that they could be a part of. Like, who do you look for to be your, your franchisees? So in the beginning, it was very just like more so personal. Like, do I like this person? Do I think that they're a good fit? Do you think that they are going to tell the story about Pliables and be a representation of me? Um, now I'm seeing that it's more so, you know, do they have the financials? Um, are they going to be in the store or are they just uh, hiring people below them to kind of run the show? It seems that franchisees who are more involved, those stores seem to do better than others who are kind of just investors and sort of stepping away from it. So all of these things are factors that we definitely put into play when we're finding franchisees. And how do you typically, or how do potential franchisees uh, typically find you? Are you advertising, doing trade shows, which I guess are not in person right now, but. (laughs) We honestly never really did trade shows. We were getting, um, you know, a lot, a lot of franchise requests weekly, like with doing nothing, which is always so incredible and so flattering. And, you know, some of these emails uh, were just so funny or so, you know, unique. And I'm like, this person's definitely, I need to meet them. And that's how we found some of our franchisees. And some are crazy. And some people, uh, you know, it's just, it's been a wild ride. And just the fact that we had so many um, opportunities and so many people reaching out to us, we never really had to promote it, which is wild. That's really incredible. What about your locations? Um, Are there specific places that you look to expand where you're looking for franchise owners? Yeah. So a lot of times people will bring a location to us and be like, listen, I have this great location here. And then like, we'll sort of check it out look at the demographic and see how we feel about it. Um, but it's kind of just something that like we get a feeling about and we're like, that's, we know that that's a good spot. Now there's definitely way more behind it and we're analyzing things and looking at, you know, traffic and all that stuff. But in the beginning, you know, they're really, we didn't really know. We're just very familiar with this area on the Jersey Shore. So that was kind of easier. But now that we're everywhere else, um, it took a little bit more research. Are some of your businesses now owned and some franchised or is the whole model a franchise model now? No, it's not a whole franchise model, but it's definitely the larger portion of it. Um, We have 97 locations total. We have um, 
14 corporate locations, 11 joint ventures, which are us and a partner, um, and then 68 franchise locations and four food trucks. So yeah, it's definitely uh, the majority is franchise. What would you say are your best tips for a founder who is looking to bootstrap their business? Because you never raised money. You did everything organically and you did the hustle and you made it happen. Yeah. You know what? I'm so proud that we never took funding. Um, I feel like that's something to be super proud of. I think it's really rare to hear that. Um, It sort of is like a startup unicorn in the sense. Um, You know, but I think that Rob and I never wanted pressure from investors. We sort of wanted to run the business how we wanted to run the business. And um, I think that worked out for us. And I'm just so happy that we didn't jump on it in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the past six months have been a very crazy time for everyone in the entire world and especially people in business and in the hospitality industry. I imagine your business has been somewhat impacted by by COVID. Can you share a little bit about what's been happening in your business over the past few months? Absolutely. Uh, It's definitely been a challenge, but I would say that you know, when this first happened, I think everybody was just so scared. No one really knew what this was or, you know, very many details about it. And then we're shut down. And it's, I think, a very scary thing. And my first thought was that I want my employees and customers to be safe. Um, So it's definitely been a really, really hard road. But we're lucky because our product is definitely something that people could take to go. And they sort of always did that. Um, So that was really helpful for us. We also started to work on some initiatives Um, once this happened. We did a Helping Heroes initiative, which people could go onto our website and donate to local frontline workers. Um, And then we would bring the bowls to any of these locations, which in the long run, I think really helped us because it exposed us to people who maybe never had a bowl. And now, you know, if there's a hospital worker who received a a free pliable and they had it and they loved it and it left a good taste in their mouth because we did, we donated it, you know? Yeah. Um, we also did family packs so people could buy uh, their own pliables pack and sort of make their own bowls at home with their kids. You know, just giving families things to do. I think people got really like stir crazy and wanted to do activities and things with their families and sort of mix it up. Um, so that was really cool. Um, we also, you know, we were just, it was tough because not only were we following restrictions in, in the updates in New Jersey, but our, we have so many stores out of state. So it was keeping up with out of state restrictions. Um, And then working towards, you know, the PPP loans that we got uh, for some of our locations and guiding our franchisees through that process and being as helpful as we could for them. Wow. That's really incredible. All that you were able to do during that time. And I know it was just such a hard and crazy time back, especially in March and April and just the unknown of everything. But it really sounds like you were able to not only survive during that time, but, but thrive and help so many of um, your businesses and, and your franchisees. So that, that's really incredible. We were very, very lucky. Very lucky. Coming up, you'll hear why building a strong and positive team is so important. And Abby's reaction to winning the Forbes 30 Under 30 Award. So Abby, I want to hear a little bit about building your team, especially when you first started your business, because like you shared, you know, you were a first time entrepreneur, your business partner was in sales, and now you're building this hospitality business and you have to build, you know, your management team, you need workers that are working in store. How did you learn what to do and build your team? So 
you know, when we had the stand in the beginning, I really thought that I could do everything myself. I sort of didn't want to let go of control. I felt like I made the best bowls. I, you know, took pride. I told the story. I, everything was kind of the way I wanted it. But quickly, I obviously realized that I need a lot of help. And um, I really just want to call out our first hire, our first employee of all time, um, this girl named Brenna. Um, she has really become just a huge part of my life. Um, you know, we took her on, she wasn't even driving yet. And I remember, um, I was at a restaurant and we saw her and we're kind of, we're like, Hey, do you want to work for us at the stand? And she was like, who are these people? And, um, she ended up showing up at the stand the next day without even really asking. And she's like cutting acai packs and hitting the blender. And I'm like, this girl is amazing. Um, so we sort of just have seen her climb up the ladder at this point she was a store manager then she was opening up new new locations for us and we're sending her to other states and now she's on the corporate team she's a marketing wizard at this point with really no marketing education she just anything you throw at her she is amazing and she's been with us since day one so i think wow. that's a cool part she is a huge cool part of our journey um here at pliables but Building your team is the hardest part. It is so hard to find good people and you want to find people who see your passion, can tell your story, believe in the brand. Um, and I think that once you do build a really strong team, which it takes a long time, and I know it could be very frustrating. Um, you know, that really has allowed us to just explode. And once you build that infrastructure stronger and stronger and it's been so cool to see people moving up from store level to store manager to corporate. That's one of my favorite and one of the most re rewarding parts of Pliables is seeing people grow from this company. Any tips you can share about best hiring practices or maybe things that you didn't do so well that you've uh, learned from? It's tough. Like, I think it's really hard for everybody to find good people. Um, I've definitely seen that store managers who have good attitudes and love what they do, it trickles down and then the rest of the employees love it and the vibe in the store is better, the energy is better. So I think it's just a trickle down. So, you know, I'm excited about it and I love this company so much. I want that passion to trickle down and it really, that's what makes the difference. Do you have a go-to interview question that you always ask? So I don't really do the hiring at this point, which is pretty wild. I mean, upper management stuff. Um, I definitely have more of a say and definitely, you know, have a bigger role, a bigger hand in playing in that part, but no, not really. I just can tell people, I can tell if they're excited about it. I know that they're going to be good. How do you weed out people that might not be so positive? Because I find sometimes, you know, I think in interviews, like you can really see if someone has that aura, has that zest for life and they're excited, but sometimes people do slip through. Absolutely. But you know what? Those people end up like kind of destroying themselves. Like, you know what I mean? I think that it's just over time. You know what I always say too, when people come in and train, even after they've gotten the job, I say, why don't you work here for a couple of weeks? And you know, if you don't like it, like, don't be scared to come to me and say, Hey, I don't, this isn't a good fit for me. I don't like it. I never want someone to work here who hates their job and like doesn't want to do it every day because then it's just kind of like a cancer to everybody around them. And I never wanted that. I always wanted it to be a fun environment. I wanted to encourage a healthy lifestyle, like the way I live. I want the employees to have fun. I mean, we, we sell fruit, like it's fruit at the end of the day. And I want them to have dance parties and send me silly TikTok videos. And that was like one of our core values from the beginning is we wanted that funness. And even today I was in one of the stores and I just love that like, all the girls, like one of them had a, a shirt that she tie dyed, a pliable shirt that she tied. Another one had one that she bleached. And I mean, I have one that I bleached on like right now. And I love that everyone just sort of has their creative little thing, but that's what makes pliable so cool. It's like a little family. And I love the relationships in the stores between um, employees that we've seen these huge friendships grow. And that is so cool to me.
That is so rewarding. Oh my gosh. I love it. How have you been able to really instill this culture of pliables? Because I feel it through the the screen here on Zoom and recording this and your energy and it's it's infectious, but you know, you're not at all of these locations now. You have to have built this incredible culture from the beginning when you first started your business. How did you go go about doing that and any tips you can share? I think that when people meet me and anyone who is starting a business, if you have the passion for it and they see that you're, you know, so in love with what you're doing, it just kind of exudes like out to them. It's not really a hard thing, you know, to pass along. Um, I met a manager today who might be managing one of the stores and he's sort of just training. And I went in and talked to him like this and I'm excited about it. And we're talking and like, I think even just that little bit does something and gets people excited about it. And they see what this is all about. Yeah, absolutely. Can you share a little bit more about how you built out your corporate team and management team? How did you find the right people? Did you have to use a recruiter or what was that process like? Like I said, a lot of our strongest people um, kind of moved up from employees to store managers and then moved to the corporate team. Um, We have definitely done some outside hires, uh, you know, but I feel like these people kind of pick themselves. Um, Also, which is I think one of the cooler parts about pliables is too, like we sort of made up these roles as we went along because we didn't know what we needed. So filling those parts, it was like, oh, I really like this person and they're really good at this. So let's make them, you know, somebody who deals with events or let's make it's So that's such like a cool flexibility within this company. And, you know, now we have a CFO and a VP and it's really just helped us evolve so much. What was that like hiring a CFO and, you know, giving up that, that control and responsibility and trusting someone with, with the finances of your business? That's what it is. The trust. You really have to get someone that you trust. I mean, you're putting all of your heart and soul and your trust into this person and finding someone that, you know, has a ton of experience with that. I always talk about surrounding yourselves with people who are smarter than you and really yeah. good at what they do. You should never be scared to hire someone who's smarter than you or, you know, better in a certain field than you are. I don't know anything about it. You know, I'll be in meetings with our CFO and uh, <laughs> he just talking in three letter acronyms. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Can we like rewind? I'm never scared to say, I don't know what that is. And I think that that's how I have grown, um, you know, in this industry, you can't be scared to ask questions. Absolutely. Is there a lesson or something you wish you had known when you first started your business that you know now? Yeah. So I always tell people that I think that I was really like naive. I kind of thought everybody was nice and everybody wanted to be my friend and nobody, you know, had like an ulterior motive. And now it's kind of like I saw a lot of bad people, you know, in, you know, building this business and people who only wanted me for certain reasons. And, you know, not everybody is the nicest. I think you have to have your guard up. Um, and like I said, I'm a good judge of characters. So when I meet someone, I can kind of tell how they're going to be, but I think just being strong and kind of like being able to stand up for yourself and call somebody out, if they're not treating you right. Um, is really important in this business. How do you tell now if someone does not have the the best of intentions? Because, you know, I've, we've experienced the same thing owning a business, you know, people, people want more from you and you have to figure out whether you can really trust them and, you know, let your guard down. How do you decide? I really just think I can tell right away. I mean, there hasn't been many times where I feel like I was duped. I kind of, you know, if there is something about someone in the beginning, I just kind of keep my eye on them. And like I said, a lot of people kind of ruin things for themselves. So, I mean, it's just, 
using your best judgment, having people around you in your support system help you and give you their input when you're making a hire and sort of kind of do it as a team. That's helpful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what would you say is an accomplishment that you're most proud of? So um, in 2019, I made the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Congrats. That's amazing. Mind blowing to me. Like I just, I can't even get past it. I, somebody had nominated me and I filled out the questionnaire and it was really super long. And I remember I just was answering it. Like how I'm answering these questions, very like matter of fact, like, like just whatever I was answering the questions, how I would speak and just being really like raw and real and honest. Um, and then when I woke up the morning that they posted that list, they hadn't emailed me and somebody just posted the list. And I saw that I was on it. And it just was like the most incredible feeling. It's, you know, something I never really said out loud, but always something I sort of um, aspired to be on. It just was so overwhelming and so, so cool. Looking back now, when you first started your business that week with the picnic table, could you even have imagined what your business would be six years later? I wake up still and I'm like, I, this is the craziest thing that ever happened. Like we're almost at our hundredth store. I was drawing up uh, shirt designs for our hundredth store and I'm like writing at, down all these locations and no, it is the wildest thing ever. It's so wild. I never expected this. I had never planned for this or envisioned this from the beginning, but so many people just gravitated toward this brand and this company and it, we just couldn't stop. Well, it's definitely a testament to your leadership and your passion and your enthusiasm hard work, the grind. I mean, it's just incredible what you've accomplished in such a short time. And I know we already said this, but having never raised any money and you did everything organically, you know, any other tips you can share for people who are maybe thinking about raising money, but you know, could maybe grow and scale organically? Like what advice would you give there? Would you still do it the same way? I would definitely do it the same way. I think a lot of people are going to be in your ear and try to give you their input and act like they know all this about raising money and, you know, they have their opinions about it. But if you can maintain it by yourself, obviously just keep doing that as long as you can. I really, really believe in that. And I'm so happy we went that route. Can you think of a time that maybe you made a mistake in the business or something didn't go the way you thought it was going to go and then what you did about it? There, I we made so many mistakes, you know, and I think that that's being able to make mistakes um, and grow and learn. is just a huge part of Pliables as a whole. Um, I think anybody who works here could attest to that. Um, I always tell this one story. Um, one year, 4th of July weekend, uh, when we were using U.S. Foods as our distributor, there was um, a strike. Like all the workers went on strike from U.S. Foods and they didn't deliver us any acai. It was 4th of July, like that weekend where we needed so much acai and we didn't get any. And I remember me and my um, employee, Nick, who still works for us, who is amazing. Um, we literally drove around to every store that carried acai. And I said, how many cases do you have? Bring out the boxes. I took every single box that they had and just literally spent the entire day driving around. We call it the great acai shortage. <laughs> it was so crazy. I don't even remember what year it was. It was literally the worst day of my life. Um, but that's the kind of stuff that you need to do. I mean, I was not going to let our stores not have acai on 4th of July weekend. If I need to drive around the entire weekend and get cases of it, I think I cried on my steering wheel a couple of times in the parking lot of Costco you got to get it done. It doesn't matter. I think that's what we do as entrepreneurs. We just make shit happen. You got to keep going and you can't take no for an answer. You just got to figure it out. Yep. Yep. And there's a lot of that up liable. Up next, Abby's best advice on maintaining a work-life balance and her secret skill. 
All right, Abby. So we talked a lot about what your crazy days look like running a business, but I want to hear a little bit about what your typical day looks like when you're not working. And do you still have time to surf while running your business? Yeah, I actually... This is surf, this is surf hair from Tuesday. Just saying, um, you know, anytime that there's waves, I try to get out there, even if it's just for a little bit. It feels like such a reset just to get out in the ocean and just be out there. It's my passion. I love to do it. Um, I work out six days a week. I, I take that hour to myself always. You know, I keep my phone in the car. I try to just focus on myself for one hour. It's so important, I think, for everybody to have that time and sort of make time for yourself to do what you like to do and take a little break from everything that's going around. Um, with the craziness of running a business. Yeah. How have you managed to stay grounded, especially over the past six months during, during this pandemic and having to shift priorities in business? How do you, how do you stay sane? Yeah. Um, I mean, my fiance is awesome. He's been so helpful and he's just so encouraging. Um, I spend a lot of time with my dogs and my friends and my family. And I, like I said, I work out a lot and I think all of those things as a whole really keeps me sane and keeps me feeling, you know, clear headed. Your dogs are so cute. So you guys, when you can't see, uh, you can't see Abby right now, but she has two cute little puppies. How old are they? <laughs> um, my Boston Terrier is three and my Frenchie is one and a half. They are so cute. Do they have Instagram accounts? Most importantly, no. <laughs> so we, you'll have to tell us where, where we can follow your puppies too. <laughs> of course, they're famous. <laughs> What would you say is something our audience would be so surprised to learn about you? I think I, I'm really, I'm a little bit of a weirdo, definitely. Um, I, hmm. oh, I do my own nails. Um, I do my own dip powder nails. You can't see them, but I'm really good at them. Wow. Really, I love doing it. I think it's my next side hustle. What do you use? What dip do you use? Um, I have to use a different liquids and different dips. I have my own little system down. I, I think I should start taking appointments. Oh my goodness. You guys, her nails look amazing. We'll have to grab a screenshot and post it on, on social when we, when we air this episode. So that's definitely a, a fun side hobby. Yeah. All right. Here's a really important one. And we talk about this a lot. Do you believe in work-life balance? Like, is there a thing? A million percent. I think there is a work-life balance. You just have to make it that way. And you have to sort of put the effort in to take that time for your personal life. What does your calendar look like? If we pulled up your uh, iPhone right now, are you like scheduled every hour throughout the day? Or do you kind of just let things happen throughout the day and schedule the day as it goes along? Um, you know, it's kind of a mixture. Going back to hiring the right people, um, I'm you know, the CMO for our company. So I sort of built um, a little marketing team below me that I work really, really close with. And I love to be um, really involved with because I think that my vision for this brand is something that has made us really successful. But creating those people below me um, has helped out a lot with my time management. And, you know, I sort of, they reach out to me if they need anything and I reach out to them. We're in constant communication, but building that team has been a big deal for me. Um, and I'm really, really proud of it. And it's allowed me to have a lot more free time. Who do you have on your marketing team? What roles and how long did it take you um, over the past few years to build that team out to what it is today? It, it took a long time. I mean, we have, um, I have four people right now that are under me that are helping me on a regular basis. And we sort of work on all the projects together. Um, we've done such a good job in the beginning. I would just shoot all pictures for specials and, you know, um, different events and things we had coming up. I would just shoot the photos and, 
do any editing and all that stuff myself and sending out to franchisees. But now, for example, we have our fall bowls launching, um, which is something that we've been doing for the past five years, which is super cool to me. And people look forward to those fall specials. And this year we shot photos with a professional photographer two months ago um, to get the signage and content ready for franchisees and for all the stores. And that just shows the evolution of pliables. And, you know, that's how um, we need to be planning at this point. Um, but it's just so cool. And I love being a part of those photo shoots. I get so excited about it. And I feel like I, basically I'm just like pro a product stylist at this point. Um, but it's just been such a cool evolution. And that's what excites me about pliables, the, the creative end of it. You know, our apparel, I did our, I always design our apparel. A lot of times it's my drawings personally, even, and um, that goes on all the stuff that you see. And, you know, I worked on the line for fall in July. Like, that's pretty crazy. And that's something that we had never done before. So it's just, we're getting so much better as we go. That, that's really incredible. Well, now I have to ask, because I recently moved to Florida. Do you have locations in Florida? Yeah. Um, what part of Florida? Palm Beach Gardens. See, I don't even know where it is. I just asked you like I knew where it was, <laughs> but I really don't. Um, we have a store in Fort Lauderdale. We have a store in Deerfield and a store in Boca. Um, but we are going to be expanding there a lot more probably in the next year, year and a half. Because Florida is just a crazy market. It's huge. And there's a million spots where I think Pliables would do so well. I can definitely tell you some of the shopping centers and areas around here where I think they, they could definitely do okay. well. Yeah. So we'll definitely connect after this. I'll tell you where to pop up here. <laughs> I cannot get me to try it. Pliables. Say again. You should open up a Pliables. Well, maybe in my next career move because I'm running very busy businesses right now. <laughs> but I know people down here who might be interested. So see, there we go. Yeah. Happen. Always, always networking. Abby, yeah. have you had mentors in your industry over the years? To be honest with you, no. I really I really haven't had a lot of people um that I've reached out to. My uncle, like I had said earlier, has been someone who sort of helped guide me through some of the tougher times in business. Um, he has his own business and, you know, I just always kind of went to him when I had questions. I always respected his opinions and his knowledge. But no, there really wasn't anybody that I had. Do you have, this is my favorite question I always ask, do you have a favorite like mantra or quote that you just live your life by? Um, I, I don't know if I live my life by it, but I just always kind of thought this from the beginning. I think I had seen this quote maybe on Instagram years ago and it just always stuck with me whenever I do any speaking engagements and, you know, talks like that, I always bring it up. But I just felt like when we started Pliable, you know, I was 24 years old and everyone was in my ear kind of saying, you know, this is a good idea. This isn't a good idea. Do this, do that. And I just got so sick of it. Um, and the quote that I was going to say is don't let anyone tell you you're too young to accomplish something. A baby shark is still a shark. And I, I, I always, it always just stuck with me. I always just really loved it. No, I absolutely love that. And it's so true. And you definitely had the belief in yourself and you knew, you knew what your vision was and then you can make it happen. And again, like, it's just so incredible to see like what you've been able to build in such a short time. And I know six years probably seems like, you know, eternity, <laughs> especially over the past year, but it, it's really, really remarkable. Thank you. Yeah. It's been an incredible journey. What would you say you're most grateful for every day? I would say just my friends and my family and just everyone who's supported me from the beginning. And then also this team of people that work below me and they work so hard every single day to, you know, build this company bigger and better. And I'm just so thankful for that. It's crazy to think that I'm supporting families and people's kids and yeah. 
that's something big that's always on my shoulders. And I kind of think of everybody else before I think of myself. And I'm just so proud and so blessed to have that all around me. Yeah, absolutely. So last piece of business advice that you can share with our, with our entrepreneurs who might just be starting out on their journey. I would say that, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but if you have a really good idea and you're really passionate about it, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. You know, just sort of put your head down and focus on what you love. And if you love something, it's probably going to succeed and it's not going to be easy and ask all the questions along the way. Don't, it doesn't matter if you feel like the question is stupid or anything like that. Just ask questions and sort of educate yourself and surround yourself with people um, who are smarter than you. Yeah, such good advice. And finally, what does being an entrepreneur mean to you, Abby? Definitely just like I had just said, I, I think empowering other women uh, to follow their dreams and that you really can be successful. I never thought that I would be in this position and it's been such a wild ride and I just can't believe that I'm here. And I think that other women should believe in themselves because they could be here too. Absolutely. And congratulations on the incredible business that you have built. And thank you so much for sharing your story and journey. It is so inspiring. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and of course, come to Pliables. And then for any entrepreneurs who might be interested in franchising and, and opening a Pliables, how can they find out more information? So you can go to our website, pliables.com. Um, for information about franchising, to order online, to check out more of the backstory of Pliables and sort of get our whole vibe. Uh, check out our Instagram, just at Pliables. Um, our Instagram really tells a story of our brand and what makes us so special. And my personal Instagram is A-T-A-Y-732. Um, you can see a lot of cute pics of my dogs, some Pliables pictures, a little bit of my family life. Um, so yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Abby. I'm Stephanie, and this was the best business meeting I've ever had. You can connect with us at socialflyny.com and follow us on Instagram at entrepreneurs. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>